Hey, welcome to the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. We have a three-hour show on Sirius XM Patriot every day, 6 to 9 Eastern. And we take one segment and one guest. Put it together here for you for free. So we were all over the map today. Talked a lot about the hurricane and how most people don't have flood insurance. Only 16% of people in Florida have flood insurance. So we'll wait a day. We don't, like, the most important thing is life. But beyond that, when you see a house that's flooded, just know that very likely that person does not have flood insurance and they are now financially destroyed as they have to pay for every single new thing in there. So I just shared that just to increase our empathy for people who are in Florida who are going through that disaster. At 7 o'clock, we talked with Jonathan Pajot about his new Kickstarter program called Snow White and the Widow Queen. And that became a theme of the show today, stories. The stories we tell our kids, the importance of stories, and how we've stopped telling our kids good stories and about America, about us, about people, about humans. So the left has come in with their own stories to indoctrinate you, indoctrinate your kids, when we should be the ones doing the indoctrination. <laughs> indoctrinate just means to teach. So we stopped doing that because, oh, it's mean. We need to let the child learn for themselves or whatever. And progressive monsters came in and said, okay, we'll tell them stories. And they're telling horrific stories. So it was really nice to talk with Jonathan Pajot. You've seen him a lot with Jordan Peterson over the years. And it was great to, uh, to talk to him. Anyway, let's start off with the segment after that. We were talking about, and we did tie this into storytelling. Uh, school board in Florida, excuse me, California, wants to do what they want to do <laughs> because it's a local school board elected by the parents of the kids who go to the school. But the tyrants in Sacramento won't allow that. Here's the story. who we are. So there is a school district outside San Diego, Temecula, and their school board, which just flipped in the last election. It's now three to two conservative. They did everything right. The people of Temecula, it's a little conservative area outside of San Diego, which used to be a conservative place. It's now not. And, and they, they got the good people in. They got good conservatives in. Three to two conservative school board. And this school board, elected by parents, said, we don't want to teach elementary school kids about Harvey Milk. We don't want to tell that story. And the president of the school board said, Harvey Milk was a pedophile. Why would we want to teach elementary school kids about a pedophile? And the governor of the state, Gavin Newsom, sent out a tweet saying, we have you in our sights. Said that to the, to the school board. Very threatening post from the governor of California to this little local school board. In the end, Gavin Newsom said, Okay, Temecula, we're going to fine you $1.5 million. We're going to force you to buy the textbooks anyway. And you're going to pay for them. And you guys are open for criminal charges. So the school board caved, even though they did everything right. Okay, so that was like a, like a month ago. One town further north up the 15, there was a Marietta. Another same thing, exact same thing happened. 
You go a little bit further up, closer to L.A., Chino Valley. So this is a little bit different. This school board said, hey, if you're a boy and you want to live like a girl in the school and you want to use different pronouns and go by a girl's name or whatever, that's fine. No problem. We just have to loop your parents in on this. We just got to loop your parents in. Oh, you would have thought the school board said that if you're trans, we're going to cut your head off. We're going we're gonna to send you to the guillotine and murder you on the spot. It was dangerous what the school board did. So the California Attorney General came down on this school. His name's Rob Bonta. I see you. I value you. I will protect you. I will protect your rights, your civil rights, your constitutional rights, your right to be who you are. Okay, I have so many sound clips I could play here. Here's the idea. The idea is the California, these progressives, they want a child to go to school be a different gender, different pronoun, whatever, and not have the school tell parents. They want the, the school, the government, to keep a secret from the parents about a child's mental health. That is completely unacceptable. I don't even care what the secret is about. You do not keep secrets from parents. And I don't care what harm could come from not keeping the secret. The principle is the government does not keep secrets about my child from me. I just want to be clear. The school's not saying we're not going to call Steve Sally or Sally Steve. They'll do it. They'll do it. They're in. They're, they're, they're fine. We'll do it. They said, sure, whatever. We're just going to inform the parents about it. But even that's not enough. Why? Rabanta says that there are too many parents who are not affirming of a child's desire to transition into a new gender. The parents are not affirming. And it's just horrific. And it's dangerous for these kids. So we have to keep it a secret for their own good. These kids, he says, have a right to privacy. They have a right to have their constitutional rights protected. This right to privacy that they just made up. And we are going to keep this private from the parents because it could be dangerous to the children if the parents are unaffirming. That's the claim. And my response to that is, good. Parents shouldn't be affirming. But do you see how they frame it? They're very good. Just like Disney at Snow White. They're very, very good at this. They say, oh, can you believe that one, th they, he, he gives a, a stat. He says one third of parents are unaffirming of their children. Unaffirming, wow. It's just horrible. They frame unaffirming to sound like unkind or even abusive. One third of parents are abusive to their children. It's dangerous. That's how they frame it. But parents shouldn't affirm a 12-year-old girl's desire to take testosterone to become a boy, as if that were even possible. I'm surprised 100% of parents aren't unaffirming. What's up with the two-thirds who are? How can two-thirds of parents be affirming on something like this? What do you mean your parents might not be supportive? Yeah, I'm definitely not. I am not supportive 
of a lot of things my kids do. Yesterday, I was extremely non-eating pancakes for dinner affirming. I did not affirm my children's desire to eat pancakes for dinner. They had a strong desire for pancakes for dinner. Deep in their soul, they wanted pancakes for dinner. I did not affirm. We were at the store the other day, and they, they passed by the Legos. Thanks a lot, Barnes & Noble, for putting a bunch of toys next to the kids' books. Uh, I was very non-Lego affirming to my children because they did not take good care of their last Legos. So until they can prove that they can take good care of their Legos, I will continue to remain non-Lego affirming because that's what parents do. We don't affirm. Now, if you're thinking, oh, Slater, you're being silly. Pancakes for dinner, Legos, come on. Those are silly examples. That's not what we're talking about. That's just very silly. Yes, you're right. I am not affirming about those things. It is impossible for me to express how non-affirming I would be about the permanent gender mutilation and sterilization of my child. You think I'm not affirming about pancakes for dinner? That's nothing compared to how non-affirming I'd be about my daughter who says she wants to be a boy. I will inject pancake batter into her veins all night long before I give my daughter over to you monsters and sterilize her for life. I affirm, here's the Attorney General of California. I affirm you, I hear you, I love you. Stay away from my child. Get back. Who do you think you are? Get away from her. You absolute monster, you pervert, away from my daughter. Oh, you're not being affirming. I'm not affirming you. Step back. So yes, parents should be non-affirming of their child's desire to be transgender. Got it, Banta? It's the same, like we're so screwed up. It's the same, I don't want this to get off topic, but the states created the federal government. Right? States created the federal government and we gave, the states gave the federal government certain, certain specific things to do and nothing else. And we have so far strayed from that, it's... We can't even, we don't even see what used to be. And it's the same thing here though. The parents created the child. Parents created the child and the parents give slight authority over a select few things over that child for a short period of time to a school and nothing more. They're taking over your child's entire life and keeping your children from you. They're severing a bond between parent and child, keeping secrets between you. We got some advice a long time ago to teach young kids to protect them from sexual predators, that there are no secrets. There are surprises. There's a difference between a secret and a surprise. A surprise, I, uh, it's, we're coming up on our 10th wedding anniversary. So uh, taking the wife out to dinner, of course. And uh, I brought my daughter in on the on the planning, so it's like, hey, shh, shh, hey, so what, what? Which one of these restaurants do you think mommy would like the most? They say, oh, that one looks great. Oh, yeah, okay. Now, hey, this is a it was just a surprise for mommy. Okay, it's a surprise. Don't tell her. It's a surprise. But a surprise means that you will eventually tell her. There will be the right time to tell her. A secret is you never tell, and that is never allowed. There are no secrets. No secrets in this family, and you never keep a secret with the school, or, or the school keeps secrets from me. Like, what are you? What are you out of your mind? Are you crazy? 
No secrets. And to the 16 and 17 year olds who think you have to come out now, but you're so scared because your parents are mean and they may even say mean things and they may not affirm. Listen, you just got to wait till you're 18. Okay, tough. You got to wait till you're 18. Sorry. Well, <laughs> not sorry. I don't know. You wait or leave. You leave now or you wait till you're 18. What do you want? It is your parents' job to not affirm things that will drastically change your life forever. And this is my main point for everyone, especially if anyone listening now who is gay and maybe you feel um, some like simpatico with the transgender child because uh, you were in the closet and you were scared to come out of the closet to your parents and it was a very difficult experience. So you're like, oh, I know what these kids are going through and they don't want to come out to their mean parents just like I didn't want to. Okay, this has nothing to do with your experience. That's nothing at all. This is way past mom, dad, I'm gay. This is way past that. This is a totally different planet. Because one day you could be not gay or you could not act out on desires, whatever. Once you castrate your body, it's over. Once you cut your genitals off, that's it. There's no going back. This is not reversible. You see these videos now, these girls who they they chronicle their testosterone. Week one of testosterone, week two of testosterone, week five, 10, 20 of testosterone. They're totally different people. They are completely different. Their voice, their face, their body, everything is totally different and completely not reversible. There's no going back on this one. This is a fundamentally different thing than gay. So if you are gay, do not, which isn't, you're not, you are, you are not a sexual desire, but whatever. Do not get tricked into thinking that this is the same thing. And then you therefore need to support this amongst children. Completely, completely different. So real quick, I'll wrap up here on this idea of the stories we're telling our kids. Rob Bonta, the attorney general of California is telling kids that you have a right to privacy. You have a right to privacy. No, you don't. (laughs) Where did this come from? A child's right to privacy. You know what story we used to teach our kids? Honor your father and mother. Right now, the story we're telling our kids is they don't understand. Adults never understand. Every TV show that a kid has ever seen, the dad is a buffoon. Every movie our kids have ever seen, the dad and mom, or if there even is both of them, they're wrong. They don't get it. They don't understand. And the whole movie is a journey in them understanding the importance of you being right all along. That is the story that our kids get all the time. And the story we used to tell our kids is honor your father and mother. There's a couple of really interesting things about that commandment. One of the ten. First of all, God gives a reason for it. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that your Lord, your God, has given you. So why should you honor your father and mother? Because that's how we build societies. The family is the building block of a society so that a society can flourish. If children do not honor their father and mother, then society will destruct. There's no other way. That's what it says right here. So that. So that your days may be long. If you don't honor your father and mother, then the days will not be long. And the problem is most parents today want to be liked. And that's where the government can come in and manipulate you, right? Oh, you got, you got to do this. Otherwise, your, kid, your kids won't like you anymore. Most parents want to be liked, not honored. Huge difference. Think about this. The Bible says, love your neighbor, love strangers, love God. 
But it doesn't say love your parents. It says honor your parents. Different. And the Bible doesn't say to honor anyone else. Something fundamentally different about that. Also, honoring your father and mother teaches kids that there is a higher authority above you. There's a higher authority above you. That's God, of course. Dennis Prager makes the point that the stronger the family bond, the stronger the resistance against totalitarians. This is why dictators want to break the family up. That's why they want to go after the family. That's why they go after children. That's why they want to break the child-parent bond, which is what this is right here. Saying that children have a right to privacy from their parents? No way. That's what, it's, that's what they, they say. Children have a right to privacy. Privacy from whom? Their parents. <laughs> no. You kidding me? That already is meaning that a child's allegiance is to the government who they can trust and not to the parents who are mean. We used to teach our kids very different lessons from a very young age. We've not done that. The monsters come in, teach horrible lessons, and take your kids. Take them captive. And do horrible, life-altering things to them. We're telling the wrong stories, and they're taking advantage of it. News Daily, we talked with, uh, well, Christina Wong was wonderful, the Breitbart Pentagon correspondent, who was in Lahaina when it caught a fire. She was in the town next door. So she's connected to the story, and she's been covering all the failures of the experts over there. We talked with her. She was great. But I want to play the clip, uh, the interview of Curtis Sliwa in New York City about how New York City is a sanctuary city, but psych, not really, don't want to be anymore, but they are. (laughs) And this is what you get when you vote for it. Here's Curtis. Curtis, how are you, sir? I've had better days. My city is a hot mess because uh, my mayor, swagger man with no plan, Eric Adams, (laughs) rolled out the red carpet for the illegal aliens. And now he's saying no mas, no mas. Well, hey, you got us into this. You better remove this sanctuary city status because there is no law. There's no law that says we're a sanctuary city. It's a proclamation. You You better close our borders to the illegals. And then put the pressure on your Papa Chulo who's welcoming in Joe Biden to close the borders down in Texas. What are you seeing on the streets? What I'm seeing is you have a lot of illegal aliens, a lot of single able-bodied men with nothing to do and nowhere to go. I'm still waiting for all the women and children. They keep saying it's mostly women and children. That's not what it is. Single, able-bodied young men with nothing to do, with lots of time on their hands. That's a recipe for double trouble. A lot of them are already having a side hustle. They're already uh, getting these motorbikes, these Vespas on consignment from these illegal weed shops. There are 2,000 in New York City, and they've started their own form of Grubhub. So they'll deliver right to your front door. I guess you could say that's the entrepreneurial spirit of capitalism, but we don't need it. We don't want it. Go home. 
where are they setting up these, what are they called? Detention centers or what, what they don't call them that, right? They got to give them a nicer name than that. Probably. Where are these places? They call them emergency migrant resource centers <laughs> under an executive order, which means everything gets redacted. We don't know how much they cost, how much we're spending per illegal alien. And it's one big boondoggle. But in typical form, the politicians are making lemonade out of lemons by having their friends, their supporters, end up putting in for the subcontracted services. So you say contract which, again, most of these contracts is there's no competition. It's a closed situation. So you put in the contract, I sign you up, you're my friend, there's no competition, and then there's kickbacks galore. Billions and billions of dollars are at stake here. And how can we expect Democrats to investigate Democrats? This is a blue state. You could fit all the Republicans in a closet. You can fit all the Democrats in Yankee Stadium and City Field. Mm. Read an article the other day that Lady Gaga's dad at his uh, nice Upper West Side house is talking about uh, all the illegal immigrants taking over. So it's everywhere. It's all over the city, right? Yeah. And remember, on his block, right by Lincoln Center, it's all progressives. It's all liberals. It's the ones who initially... Uh, wanted to play Mother Teresa when they first came in in the buses a year ago. Now that it's on their block in a hotel, it was cleared out specifically to house illegals because there's a lot of money to be made by those that own that hotel. They found out, wow, there are no curfews to the illegal aliens. If you happen to be an American, maybe a veteran, down on your luck, predominantly African-Americans who have to live in shelters, your curfew is 10 o'clock at night or you miss you, you you don't get your bed. You're locked out. For the illegal aliens, they don't have a curfew. They're smoking uh, weed. They're drinking cerveza. They're young men, some young women. It's sort of like frat night, sorority night. So on Lady Gaga, Daddy's Block, they're partying till the break of dawn. And he's saying, how the hell did this happen? Well, guess what? You were part of the inviting committee, the welcoming committee, because of your political ideology. Now, you elected Mayor Adams, you elected Governor Hochul, you had different choices. I could have been your mayor. Zeldin could have been your governor. None of this would have occurred. Mm. So now you made your choice. you got to suffer. Yeah, that's okay. it's so interesting. So we were, we were talking about something earlier, and I don't think people really fully realize the gravity of the moment we're in until they can really think about what the alternative could be. And... That's so amazing. Like, like it almost feels like, well, this, you know, this is just uh, the way it's got to be. This, this is the way it is, and this is, you know, it's like, well, it didn't have to be this way. So, what would a mayor Curtis Sliwa have done instead? Well, right away, I would have removed this uh, this uh, title of being a sanctuary city, because again, there is no law that indicates we're a sanctuary city. Number two, when the first buses came in that were sent from the border, and by the way, it's Catholic charities down at the border that's making a lot of money. It's the largest NGO, largest nonprofit. They're putting them on the buses. They're paying for them to come to New York. I would have said, okay, you can take an hour uh, restroom break. We'll give you a box lunch. We're going to send you back to your Papa Jeweler, the guy who welcomed you in when he was debating then-President Donald Trump and would put him in the Washington Mall in D.C. You want tents? 
put the tents up there between the Washington uh, Monument and the Lincoln Memorial. But this is your mess, Joe Biden. You deal with it. What happened in New York City, Curtis? What happened? Uh, and here's what, what here's in what New I, York City. Yeah, yeah. He is some comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Brooklyn, and his wife, Charlene, who half the time they was spent on the back porch of Gracie Mansion, which is where the mayors live, uh, doing puff, puff, fast, smoking Maui, Waui, and Hindu Kush. <laughs> and we just slid into the abyss. And then all of a sudden came this guy, Eric Adams. He declared himself the new face of the Democratic Party. Moderate. Uh, he was a former cop. Uh, he would be law and order. And he sold everybody wolf tickets. So now you see him constantly crying with a tin cup in his hand, begging for money, won't name and shame Biden is now arguing with the governor that he had a relationship with. It's all hands on deck, and our leaders have abandoned ship. So what I've said is it's people power, not political power. They're going to be blockades. They're going to be barricades. They're going to be locations in the city that are going to continue with resistance, not just to civil nonviolent uh, uh, disobedience, which will get you arrested, but actually blocking the ability to come in and out of these facilities. You send them home if they want to come in the right way and jump through the hoops and do it the legal way. Legal way, we'll support it. But we're not supporting illegal aliens coming in here on an easy pass. Well, you're just a racist, Curtis. And a xenophobe. You forgot. It's (laughs) R-Z. Racist xenophobe. And you know something? Call me whatever you want to call me. I'm an American, first and foremost. We need to take care of Americans. We have so many who are poor and impoverished, on drugs, on alcohol, some of them veterans, sleeping in shelters where they're sharing uh, a dormitory with eight guys, some of them emotionally disturbed, some of them with severe medical problems. We need to take care of our own first, put the migrants to the back of the line, and let's prioritize Americans. Why were people chanting hasty white liberals in the streets of New York City. What was that about? And that's about, see, basically this is what you liberals have done. This is what you progressives have done. Hey, you want them in your neighborhood? Fine. But even in the very liberal progressive neighborhoods, people have been objecting because the mayor has put them in recreational centers that the elderly and their children would use. And now there's no room for the elderly, no room for the children. So you want to get a liberal upset, force their kids out into the street, and then all of a sudden, suddenly, wow, they're a raging conservative. Yeah. I was, uh, there's a video, and I'll never forget this one. It was of a community meeting in Chicago, and I'm sure you've had one similar to this. Uh, and it was you know the police chief up there and the mayor and the DA or whatever. And they were talking about this very issue because I think they, there was an old elementary school that they were putting a bunch of illegal immigrants in. And the same thing you're talking about, a crime, late at night, whatever. And this guy's black guy stands up and says, if you don't take care of this, we will. And you won't like it when we take care of it in the streets. And you can't stop us because we're not letting this happen again and you're not doing your job, so we're going to do it for you. That's where this is headed. What do you think of that? Oh, absolutely. I know the neighborhood, Englewood. I have guardian angels in Chicago, predominantly African-American. You know, there's an expectation in politics to the victor go to spoils. So you got a socialist mayor who's African-American. 
the expectation is you're going to you got our backs. You know, we're at the front of the line. The illegal aliens have been pouring into that that community, and they've been uh, whooping down the women, robbing people, selling drugs. And the people there say, we have enough of our own local problems. Do we need additional problems? So the man was right. If you politicians are going to play around and declare yourself as Chicago is a uh, sanctuary city, as Illinois is a sanctuary state, then we're going to take care of business. And I support them. And this is what I call the rebel factor. Let the politicians do what they do. Let the lawyers go into court and try to get temporary injunctions to cease and desist this activity. But I lead the rebels. And rebels will use whatever means are necessary to stop the invasion of America that's destroying our quality of life. And next year, next year, who's going to pay for all of this when the budgets have to come in? We are because we're going to have less cops, less firefighters, social workers, teachers. Budgets will be cut, yet the illegal aliens will still be in hotels three squares a day with their Obama phones, free health care. That's an outrage. What percentage of New Yorkers do you think are, are on your side? I would say just because I'm always in the streets and not in the suites, about 80%. And the largest number, the African-Americans. They're the most vocal. They're the ones who feel betrayed by an African-American mayor mm. who thought that his pathway to the White House would be by getting mostly Hispanic illegal aliens to be believed that he was their Mashiach, their Messiah, the one who has enabled them to come in to America and eventually be normalized so that they can vote, raise their kids, and live the American dream. But they're doing it the illegal way, not the long way, not the legal way. And boy, every mayor here, forget Eric Adams for a second, every person who gets elected mayor thinks they're going to be president. Guess what? Rudy crashed and burned. Bloomberg crashed and burned. Others have crashed and burned. And Eric Adams, in his drug-induced psychosis, dropping ass hit he must be, he'll crash and burn, too. Be the mayor. Do your job. You'll go no further politically. And yet you'll have a good legacy if you did a good job. Mm. All right, last question for you, Curtis. Uh, what, take this from the, um, the illegal immigrants' perspective, right? That Their whole life they've dreamed of New York City, the Big Apple, Curtis, and Statue of Liberty, and uh, bring us your poor, you know the thing. So um, they're not feeling very welcomed by, by you and all the guys in the red coats and hats and stuff. So what are they supposed to think about America? Well, let me tell you something. Most of them are not going to come into contact with us or neighborhood people. They're on the island of Manhattan where all of a sudden people are coming and, and giving them blankets and giving them even more food and welcoming them, you know, it's almost different than what you saw at Martha's Vineyard. They welcomed them for five minutes, you know, Larry David and that crew, and then they told them, get the hell out of here. Get on those coach buses and go to Nantucket in Rhode Island. Here in Manhattan, you still have pockets of progressives who think this is the greatest moment of their life, the kumbaya mo moment. And I say, great, keep them in your neighborhoods, but you'll be their sponsors. You yeah. have to take responsibility for them the way – our grandparents and great-grandparents had to have sponsors when they came into Ellis Island, yeah. or they turned you back and sent you back to your country of origin. Curtis, what's your Twitter? How can people follow you, find out what's going on, join you, et cetera? 
Man, I'm a Luddite. Just anything at Curtis Sliwa, at Curtis Sliwa, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Check out my TikTok before they take it away because it's a red Chinese invasion, right? (laughs) (laughs) Curtis Sliwa on the TikTok. Curtis, keep it up, brother. Well done, Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Uh, Here's here's what I meant by the... uh, (laughs) So... When I said, what's, what's, what happened in New York? Here's what I mean. This really hit me during COVID. When we think New York, we think that guy, right? Like Curtis, <laughs> Curtis Lee is the quintessential stereotypical New Yorker. Like, like as Trump would say, central casting New York. And during COVID, I don't understand where the, where those guys were. You know what I mean? The COVID was, New York City was the pansiest of them all. New York City was the, oh, 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 got to show, shut, oh, obey the mood. Oh, everyone stay on, oh, don't do anything, shut everything down. As opposed to New York, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, get out of here, de Blasio. We're not shutting anything down. Like, what are you, right? Like, New Yorkers never stood up. And I don't know where the, where the New Yorkers are. I don't know if I don't know how many Curtis Sliwas are left in New York. I don't know how many New Yorkers are left in New York. You know what I mean? Like New Yorkers. That that like where's the New York? Like that tough, gritty New Yorker. I don't know what that is anymore. So we need Curtis to, <laughs> to stick around. We can all find the New Yorker inside of all of us. <laughs> American made I got American parts Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. Again, the whole thing's on Sirius XM Patriot. You can subscribe and listen to uh, us every day, the whole three hours. Tomorrow's show, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, 8 o'clock. Stars in my eyes.